everybody. Thank you all for coming and joining us for this day that we are focusing on servant ministries within our church. We thank you for being here. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We are glad that you're here. There should be a connect card in the pew rack right in front of you. If you'll take that and fill it out, let us know that you've been here. We would appreciate that. If you have prayer concerns, write it on that same card and we'll be and we'll respond to that as well. If you're joining us via live stream, welcome. We are glad that you're here as well. You will see an address on your screen and if you will let us know that you have been here and if you have prayer concerns, write us at that same address and we will be glad to respond to you as well, but we're glad you're here. We hope that you will come and be with us in the future. We are glad to have the Heralds with us this morning. Many of you who are newer members will... Very good. If you are newer to this church, Greg was our youth minister here for a number of years, and Melanie Harrell is the principal at Price's Fork Elementary School. She graduated from the University of Kentucky and then did her master's degree at that little junior college in Charlottesville. And... Uh, and so we are glad to have her here as our guest speaker today, and we are excited about that. Our lit call to worship is printed within your bulletin and will be projected. Join me. The Lord has called us. The Lord has not called us to watch and wait. The Lord has not called us to only pray and think. We are called to pray. We are called to invest and produce. We are called to become God's love in the form of service. Let us see clearly the work of God's kingdom as we gather as the church that we may become true followers of Jesus Christ. Let us engage in a ministry of service. Let us engage in a ministry of transformation. Let us work to proclaim the gospel in word and deed that our world might become more like the vision of Christ Jesus. Holy God, let this be our prayer as we gather here today. We want the world to become your vision because we know the world will be better day in and day out if that happens. It is our duty as Christians to, to work to make that happen, to do the best that we know how to make that occur. Help us, O oh Lord, to be your servants. Help us to believe in you and to have your power within us that we might represent you well in this world and that we might become who you would have us become. Make it so as we gather for worship, Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. You're surrounded. Good morning, everybody. Will you join us as we stand and worship? <laughs> Two. Oh, 
like Jehovah. There's no God 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 like Jehovah. Behold, He comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. sin and shame they were like prisons that we couldn't escape but he came and he died and he rose those walls are rubble now remember those giants we called death and grave they were like mountains that stood what he does he saves us before the cross beat the grave let heaven and earth proclaim this is our god king jesus remember that fear that took our breath away faith so weak that we could barely Every word, every whisper. Now those altars in the wilderness tell the story of his faithfulness. Never once did he fail, and he never will. This is our God, this is who he is, he loves us.
In the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, he wrote, Do not look out only after your own interests, but look out after other interests as well. So as we think about servanthood today, I think that is perhaps a good definition of what it means for us to serve. Look out after the interests of others. So we're going to be highlighting some of our, the ministries of Church on Main this morning. These are by no means all of our ministries, but they are representative of the way, I believe, in which our church looks out after the interests of others. So we're going to watch two montages of videos. The first set are examples of ministry where we partner with others in our community. The first video is To Our House, a ministry to provide shelter for the homeless and to connect them with resources for housing, employment, and economic sustainability. And the second is Sleep in Heavenly Peace, a ministry which builds beds and donates to them to families without beds. And then the third is our Interfaith Food Pantry, a longtime partner and joint ministry with uh, individuals, other churches, clubs, and organizations in our community to provide food for those who are in need. Then after our offertory, we're going to watch a second montage of videos that highlight how God is calling out people in our church and using them to serve others in our community. The first video is our ministry at Adam's Mark, which includes a tutoring program called Learning to Love and a ministry to middle school students, a women's Bible study, and also uh, we'll be starting an English as Second Language class there in the near future. And the second video is about our English school, a longtime ministry of Church on Main that meets right here in our church and has ministered to people from all over the world by helping them to learn English as a second language. And then finally, there's a third video about Special Connections, a wonderful ministry that provides spiritual nurturing and fellowship for young adults with and without intellectual differences. You know, Paul wrote to the Philippians that Jesus didn't regard equality with God as something to be held on to, but that he humbled himself, becoming a bondservant. Later, Jesus told his disciples, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And at the Passover meal in the upper room, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and he said, I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. We are called to serve. To Our House is a winter overnight shelter for adult men and women in the area who are experiencing homelessness currently. They can come anywhere from a night up to the whole season. The season runs from the beginning of November through the end of March. They have currently 14 spaces available for guests to fill. Different churches sponsor hosting the program, which means that the program moves from church to church throughout the season, and they set up in their church building. They set up a kitchen area where they serve food, and they set up a sleeping area. 
Since COVID, they are actually sleeping in individual tents with air mattresses. So they each have their own private space. And the host church often provides volunteers to be on site or to stay overnight. Typically, a different church sponsors the food, and they provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the guests for the week. The guests are only on site from about 6 p.m. until about 6, 6.30 a.m. and then they're gone. So the lunch meal is a sandwich and other goodies that are packed in a bag that they take with them for the day. I have been volunteering with To Our House I think since the first season it began. I was not part of the bigger planning or organization of it, but I volunteered one night at our church, our church hosted at the time, and I volunteered one night to help do something, and I was hooked from the first moment I volunteered. We're building 40 total beds, 20 top bunks, 20 bottom bunks. Who wants to run a chop saw? Who likes to read a tape measure, draw lines with a T-square? Who likes to do a palm sander? Who can use a drill? I can. Okay, I got a job for you. You got a lot of energy. Hey, everybody. I'm Paul Mealy of Paul and Julie Mealy. I'm chapter president for the New River Valley chapter of Sleep in Heavenly Peace. That's a nonprofit here in your neighborhoods and towns that are building and delivering twin beds with brand new mattress, pillow, comforter, sheet set, sometimes a stuffed animal to kids in your communities in Pulaski and Montgomery County that don't have a bed of their own. There I was watching a video by Mike Rowe on an old series he used to do called Returning the Favor. One of the organizations he highlighted was out in Idaho and it was a guy that started it in his garage. Had some leftover lumber, wasn't happy with his kids playing video games all through winter break. He said, get out in the garage, we're going to build a bed for a kid, for our church that needs one. They had some lumber built over. They built a second bed. He thought, who needs a bed? He put it on one of the social media sites thinking maybe somebody needs a bed. He couldn't believe the turnout for that one free bed. He was on to something. I Googled it right after I watched the video. There was no Southern Virginia chapter, so I started one. If you want to join just as an individual and come help deliver, which is the real fun part, or supervise a build or have some role in the team, reach out to me. Go to our Facebook page, Sleep in Heavenly Peace, New River Valley. Email me at paul.mealy at shpbeds.org or just find me here in the church and we'll find a way you can help. We can build 40 beds in four hours with about 60 people. The lumber's delivered. The chapter, my chapter, brings everything needed. No experience required, no tools required. And we turn two big lumber bundles into headboards, footboards, side rails, and safety rails. And we marry that up with a new mattress and deliver it in a kid's home. In 1987, the food pantry was located in a house behind Blacksburg Baptist and volunteers would hand out one bag of groceries to the 19 families that came in. Today, we serve around 300 families, and that's about 600 people, and we're located off of Harding Avenue in a building that is set up like a small grocery store. 
Customers can shop either by driving up to get prepackaged bags or by coming inside to shop. We have approximately 120 volunteers from 25 different churches. And as of right now, we are open four days a week. Our church volunteers on the fourth Monday of every month from 3.45 until 5.30. The heart of the Blacksburg Interfaith Food Pantry is that we help support those in Blacksburg and McCoy who are experiencing food insecurity. We try to be the hands and feet of Christ, showing love, kindness, and dignity to those we serve. This world 
Gina Kennedy, Director of the Learning and Love Ministry, which is an after-school tutoring program for children in grades 1 through 5. The ministry began in 2016. Our church rents a trailer in the Adams Mark Trailer Park in Blacksburg. Several tutors meet the children at the bus stop. We gather for a prayer time and snack and then divide into age groups to tutor as well as doing some very fun activities. We love working with these kids and their families. It is very rewarding and a great opportunity to show Christ's love. And although we truly want to help them scholastically, we focus on loving them and being there if they need us for anything. Hey, I'm, well, I'm Martha Ann Stallings, and I've been involved with Learning to Love since the beginning. But once I heard about it, church, I said, oh, this is something I'd love to be involved with. I'm a retired teacher, educator, and the idea of working with kids and helping them be successful in school caught my attention. It was something I wanted to be a part of. Lots of people have different gifts to bring to this ministry. Maybe you enjoy coming and helping get the sandwiches ready and the snacks ready. Maybe you just want to sit down and read one-on-one -on -one with a child, but you just have to love kids and want to be a part of, of helping them be successful. Well, my name is Chuck Lee. I got started participating in, in learning and love back when we first started up about six, seven years ago. Uh, we're always looking for volunteers and you basically don't need any special skill. Once I got out here, I was basically uh, hooked on it, enjoying working with the kids and 
helping them out and you fall in love with them and they fall in love with you. My name is Lindsay um, and I'm a VCOM student. I'm in my second year. It's a wonderful experience. I feel like you can learn so much from the resilience of children and just being able to work with children who are growing. I'm Emma Prilliman. Um, I'm a second year medical student at VCOM. I got involved, piggybacked off the new middle school ministry that Rebecca had started. I just have a lot of experience and love for working with younger elementary school kids. I love coming here every week. I um, am from kind of an underserved community in Martinsville, Virginia, and this population of kids is very close to my heart. I am Tina Lee. We had a grandmother whose granddaughter was in the tutoring program, and every once in a while this grandmother would say to us, we really need a ladies' Bible study. And this went on for probably a couple of years. And one morning, Martha Ann and I, we sat down and talked about this and what should we do, and we looked at each other and said, we just need to start a ladies' Bible study. And then I looked at her, Martha Ann, and said, I guess I probably ought to go by the church and just mention to Tommy that this is what we'd like to do. But I also, in my head, thought, what are you doing? You have no idea how to pick, what to pick, what to do. But I just prayed in the car, talked to myself, and thought, well, go down to the church and talk to Tommy and Todd about resources. But it was just that after that initial, well, I'm just going to do this. It's like, what have I done? And we got word to the grandmother. And she got word to two friends. In the beginning, when we started these books, I felt like it was my responsibility to get through that lesson. And then I thought, no, it's not. This isn't my Bible study. This is their Bible study. And there have been a couple of times when we're supposed to end at 11.15 and we start the lesson at 11. My name is Dee Dee Heath, and I started with the English School in 2011. Very much have family spirit here. We've started because Mary Wilson realized that there were women living in Blacksburg from international communities who were very isolated, and it was having a very negative effect on their ability to live their lives. And so the English School is one of the longest ministries that we have here and I think it is one of the most rewarding ministries that we have here at the church because we get an opportunity to build relationships with people from everywhere. I'm Hing Har. Um, I came to Blacksburg with my husband for almost 40 years ago. The English school for as a second language started almost 40. close to 40 years ago working with all the foreign students, sharing with them what is important in the world and learn how to help each other. I'm Elaine Cook. It's just a blessing to do this. We sometimes get Christmas cards from old students from you know other places and it's, it's, uh, it's a very, very wonderful job to do. I am Marcia Garrison and I'm a retired nurse and I got started in the English school because I wanted something else to do to help people. That's what I've done all my life. group I had were the, the first people who came here from Afghanistan and that was quite a wonderful experience and uh, it has, all of this time that I've been teaching, it's about eight years now, um, I, the people that I meet, the students that I have are just so wonderful and they have enriched my life and I'm hoping I'm enriching their lives too.
So it's wonderful to me to sit around a table with people from all over the world and they can all talk with each other in English and it's just a really neat experience. Hello, I'm Kimberly Ellis and Special Connections is a relatively new life group in our church that's targeted for young adults with and without intellectual differences, 22 to 40 years of age. The vision for our ministry is to share the good news of God's love and to assist in the spiritual nurturing of young adults. In our community at age 22, many young adults who have special needs graduate from the public school system and they age out of other programs that are designed for them. So there's definitely a need in our community for specialized programming and ministries for this group. In 2018 or 2019, our church developed a strategic plan and an important initiative in that plan was to increase our ministries for those with special needs in our community. Reed Kennedy was on the ministry team. He gathered a committee of interested church members and community leaders as well as church leadership. We met regularly to develop an overall vision. We decided to focus more narrowly on young adults with intellectual differences for now. A typical session includes an opening prayer, a brief lesson, a craft or activity, and music. So if you have the opportunity to visit, you will meet one participant who says, I'm home again every time she walks in the door of one of our sessions. So Special Connections meets once per month on Sunday afternoon. Others in the church can volunteer by attending our events with absolutely no preparation necessary. My daughter Bethany is involved in Special Connections. As soon as the event ends, she posts pictures of her friends on Facebook and then asks when the next event is planned. This is definitely one of the highlights of her month. She can enjoy some fellowship with her friends, meet new friends, and learn more about God. I'm thankful to be part of a church that has supported this ministry. There are so many things that our church is involved in that we have our fingers in trying to make a difference in the community. And I thank everyone that we have seen here this morning that has participated and does participate in all of these ministries that we do. Uh, I, and when Tina Lee was speaking, I, I was about, about to laugh as she was going along because I don't recall Tina coming to me to say, what do you think of doing a, a, a ministry, a, a new Bible study? She came and said, we're starting a Bible study. What do you think we need to do with it? That's the way that we like to see things happen around here is that people find something that they have a passion about and it gives that passion becomes contagious throughout the church as we go forward with that, trying to do the best ministry that we know how. Mission outreach has always been a hallmark of our church. Since this church was founded in a white house on Penn Street, it, had, it began with a mission outreach and it has been that way ever since. That's probably why our church has not only been involved in so many missions, but it's also why we have inspired some unique missions that happen within our world. For instance, our church is part of an ecumenical ministry called Hearts and Hammers. It's a ministry that builds ramps to make them accessible for people who are disabled. <clears throat> and it also does some repair work for people who need their homes repaired but can't afford it. 
This ministry now includes Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterians, and Episcopal churches. It's a ministry that was founded by our church and became successful, and those churches got in touch with us to see if they could join in our program at first, and then they started their own ministries as well. Another ministry that was founded by our church that you've already heard about was the Interfaith Food Pantry. What you probably don't know is exactly how that came to be. Our former youth minister, Gary Metcalf, noticed that there's a large number of people who were coming every month to the church asking for help for food. So Gary went to Dr. Ray Allen. He asked him what he thought about having a food pantry. Ray thought it was a great idea, but he also thought it would probably only be successful if other churches were involved in it. So... Ray told him to contact the Methodists, the Presbyterians, I think it was the Lutheran Church, to see if they would join in that ministry. And about a month later, the Interfaith Food Pantry started in the house right behind our church with those four churches being involved in it. It has grown to be far larger than that. A third mission that was inspired through our church was an international mission now called Seeds of Hope. Dr. Ray Allen had been invited to go with a group of Virginia Baptists on a mission trip to Eastern Europe. They had heard that hunger was rampant in the former communist nation of Bulgaria. And so Ray asked the Fidelis Sunday School class to collect packets of seeds that he could take over there that they could plant and, and grow for food. The Fidelis class called that mission Seeds of Hope. And they collected so many packets of seeds that were donated by people of the church that Ray couldn't take them with him. He had to ship them to Bulgaria. That one effort inspired a group of ministers to found an international ministry called Seeds of Hope that still exists until this day. One other interesting fact about that trip was that they were also going to the Czech Republic on that trip. The Czech Republic was considering having a, a unified national church there. Dr. Allen and the Virginia Baptist leaders managed to get an appointment with the newly elected president of that republic. Ray and those ministers took a copy of the Constitution of Virginia with him, and those ministers convinced the Czech president <clears throat> to include the freedom of religion in their constitution, and their constitution is largely modeled after the Constitution of Virginia. The last story of inspiration that I want to highlight is our India mission because it's a very similar story to Seeds of Hope. Dr. Allen wrote a, a short book back in the 1980s called How to Be a Christian, Happy and Successful. Dr. Kunjaman Chako was the head of the India Baptist Convention at that time, and somebody gave him a copy of Ray's book. A few weeks later, Dr. Chako got in touch with Ray and asked him about coming to India and speaking on his more progressive view of the Christian faith. Ray was flattered that he had asked, but Ray told him no because he thought we had more than enough missions that we were involved in at the time. <clears throat> if you have never met Dr. Chako, he does not take the word no very well. And so he continued to get in touch with Ray over and over. He sent letters. He made phone calls. Ray finally agreed to go to Kotem, India, and see exactly what they were doing and what they could be involved in. That one trip grew into 17 mission trips, four orphanages, a prison ministry. We've planted over 20 churches there, and we helped found the India Baptist Theological Seminary in Kotem. 
The library of that seminary is now named after Ray and Ann Allen. And in my second year here, we raised enough money to build an entire wing of that seminary. That seminary now is the strongest Christian seminary in India and is one of the few that educates both male and female ministers from almost any Christian group in that country who wants to come and attend. One other ministry that we have been involved in over the years is Rise Against Hunger. We've packed meals for that program, and our youth just finished packing some meals for that program about a month ago. One of the individuals that works with that program is a young woman named Sheila Rust, and Sheila found her calling to missions right here in Blacksburg Baptist Church when she was a student at Virginia Tech. She sang in our university chorale. She went on several mission trips with us, and she had that deep calling to missions. When she graduated, she went into secular work, but she could never get away from that call to missions, and so she had been applied and became an employee and a, and a hard worker with Rise Against Hunger, which is one of the strongest hunger missions that you will find in our country. Missions is truly a hallmark of our church because serving is a hallmark of our church. That's why we've invited Melanie Harrell to be our featured speaker today. Melanie is the principal at Price's Fork Elementary School here in Blacksburg. She has dedicated her life to working not just with children, but she has a particular interest in at-risk children and is focused on them ever since I have known her. We are honored to have her with us today, and we look forward to the message that she is going to bring us. Let's pray together as we get to this point of our service. Lord Jesus, we ask your blessings as we gather here. We ask your blessings upon all that we are doing. We ask your blessings upon Melanie as she comes to bring our message. We ask you, O oh Lord, to let your spirit be upon us as we gather here to help us to know that we are the ones that you are calling to serve. Let our hearts and our minds be open to that call, that it might change us from the inside out and that we might be willing to become involved in making a difference in the world that we live in. For it's in your name we offer our prayer. Amen. Good morning. Um, thank you all for having me here today. Um, I just want to say I'm really honored to be back here at the Church on Main. Um, this church holds a very special place in my heart. It was the reason my husband and I moved here 14 years ago. It's been a part, it's been a journey, um, a part of my journey of faith and calling, and I'm lucky to get to stand up here today and share about the work that I get to do um, and how this church plays a role in that work. And I'm also later on going to take some time to challenge you about how you can get involved in God's kingdom work also. But I want to start by telling you a little bit about my story and my calling. I am a Kentucky native. I grew up in a small rural town in western Kentucky, and I never thought I wanted to be a teacher. There are no teachers in my family, and if I'm going to be really honest, I wanted to do a job that made a little bit more income. Mm -hmm. um, but I was grateful, I am grateful to a high school teacher of mine who saw something in me. And I was at that point um, in my high school career when everybody kept asking you, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I just really did not know. I just knew I wanted to do something that made a lot of money. And she said, well, hey, you know, have you ever thought about elementary teacher? I think you'd be really good at it. 
And I kind of laughed it off, but out of respect to her, she said, hey, why don't you go shadow an elementary teacher for a day? So I went, um, sat in a classroom, worked with some students in a classroom that day, and I walked out of that school knowing what I was supposed to do. So moving a few years later, I graduated um, from the University of Kentucky with my elementary education degree. And as I was going through college during um, those summers, I spent my time working at a youth Christian camp called Passport. Um, this camp's pretty significant in my journey because it allowed me to meet my husband now of almost 16 years and to realize my next step in my teacher calling. During my um, second summer working at this camp, um, I got the privilege of working in a low-income housing development with a local YMCA running a summer camp program for elementary students. I was in charge of leading youth groups each week to come work with those students through games and crafts. Um, and this experience was definitely out of my comfort zone. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I was a young Caucasian girl working to build relationships with kids and families that did not look like me and did not come from my same middle class background. I was in a little over my head. But I showed up four days a week for eight weeks and was just available. I was lucky enough because um, I had a mentor, um, the director of that program named Susie, who really showed me what it was to just love people where they are, to listen, to share Jesus' love through playing a game, through making a craft, and to just talk to families as they interacted with us. By the end of that summer, I knew what I was supposed to do. So I eventually graduated from UK and moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. This move was because I knew I wanted to live in a big city. I was from a small rural town, so the big city life was for me. And I knew I wanted to serve in a low-income urban area from my time working that summer camp. My very first job was at a school with about 98% free and reduced lunch. And if you don't know what that means, it basically means 90% of our students were living below or near the poverty line. This job was hard, and again, I did not know what I was doing. But I knew God was with me and that I had a purpose. And my purpose was, again, to show up, be available, teach, love my students and their families, even on the hard, messy days. And there were a lot of hard, messy days. It was very difficult. There were a lot of bumps along the way, and I kept seeking God and seeking guidance from colleagues and praying for the strength to keep showing up. I spent three years at that school, and it grew me up in ways I didn't even realize. I saw the injustices with our, within our education system and the poverty that surrounded families in a system that was very difficult to break out of. After that third year, I moved to Richmond because I got married to my husband, Greg, and he was finishing seminary there. I spent another two years teaching in Richmond City Schools, seeking out those high-need schools where a lot of teachers didn't want to go. God had given me a gift, and I was going to use it. At the end of that second year, Greg and I had been discerning um, what was next. He was graduating from seminary and looking for jobs, and he was applying to a lot of places. He shared with me one afternoon that he'd applied to this church in Blacksburg, Virginia. First of all, I didn't even know where Blacksburg was because I'm not from Virginia. And second of all, he said it was in Southwest Virginia. And I was like, hmm, that, that sounds a little rural to me. And um, he, he came and he met with Tommy and 
he got to meet some members in this church and he came back and he was like, I think you need to come back with me. And I didn't want to come because this was not where I felt like I was supposed to be. But once I got here and met the wonderful people in this church, I knew that God was calling us here too. So we transitioned here the summer of that year, but I could not let go of my calling to teach in an urban area, and this is not an urban area. So I ended up commuting daily to Roanoke to fulfill my passion of working in an urban setting and working at a high-need school. But in my own ignorance, I believed that there was no place like that here in Blacksburg or Montgomery County, and clearly I was wrong. While working in Roanoke, I began um, my administrative and supervision degree and continued working for six more years there. During that first time, we had our first child, Oliver, who some of you um, remember <laughs> we, when he was born. Um, and I knew I didn't want to miss out on time with him. So I began applying for positions here in Montgomery County. Um, and I got my first um, assistant principal job working out at Auburn Elementary. That was a very different setting for me. It was unlike anything I had experienced in my 11 years prior to that. But I learned a lot about being an administrator and was figuring out how to be an educator in that type of environment. Greg, at that time, also had felt the call to begin pastoring his own congregation. And God called us to Fairlawn Baptist Church, um, where we are still, where Greg is still serving currently. And we had to say goodbye to this wonderful church. Um, during the time there, we had our second child, Davis, who is almost seven. Um, and we were just sorting through life changes. Myself having a new job, Greg beginning his ministry as the lead pastor when a curveball came. I was asked to move to Price's Fork along with another principal to make some changes because they had some academic concerns and needed to add two administrators to that building. I didn't know anything about the school except that it was on the outskirts of Blacksburg. When I moved over to Price's Fork, I learned a little bit more about the community. It's about 60% um, of students who live, um, who are on free and reduced lunch, who live below or near the poverty line. It was a changing population and they were calling us over to begin shifting and making some change. I did not wanna go. I was not happy about it. If you were friends or knew me at that time, I really, really struggled. Um, I was struggling to change a school in academic warning, raise two young boys, support Greg in a new role, and do my job well, and work in a division that was unlike anything, again, that I had experienced. It was too much. My focus and my calling were scrambled a lot by my fear, by my insecurity, and by thinking, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. But I'm standing here, um, almost six years later sharing with you that we serve a God that moves and carries us even in our fear, anxiety, and frustrations and when we really don't know what to do. We have done some great work in Price's Fork over the past six years, educating students, meeting the needs of our families, being advocates for those who don't have a voice. And I can't wait to see the work that we're gonna continue to keep accomplishing. But being an educator is a calling for me. It's my life's work, whether in the classroom, supporting students, supporting teachers, meeting with families, running the ins and outs of daily school life. My work and my faith intersect daily. God through every step has equipped me to do the work that I get to do, but I cannot do this work alone and it takes all of us. 
At Price's Fork, we have impoverished, impoverished issues at our back door. We are a school serving 460 students, ranging from three years old to 11-year-olds. We are a unique school serving a very diverse student body. We serve students from housing developments, brand new developments down Mary Mack Road and Price's Fork to our Adams Mark and Oak Forest Trailer Park communities from McCoy and in between. We have a growing population of Latino students who are English language learners, mainly speaking Spanish in the home. We have a lot of challenges. Challenges coming off COVID, um, it's affected us all differently, but it has really affected our students. When our students came back to us, they were isolated, they had lacked opportunities to socialize, and as a staff, we noticed these huge academic gaps. Our teachers have had a great privilege and a great growth opportunity to work towards helping our students catch up and to begin feel confident as, as people. But our biggest challenge is figuring out how to support the whole child. Children in all socioeconomic backgrounds have had trauma to some degree due to family dynamics, some due to the ongoing effects post-COVID or ongoing stresses for those who live in poverty, parents not having a lot of time to spend with their children because they're working two jobs or they have multiple people that they're caring for. And we found that most families want the best for their children, but they don't always have the resources or the time. I've spent a lot of my time working with local counseling agencies and my own school counselors to connect families to mental health support. I have somehow landed myself in the role of a parent coach, providing ongoing support to parents because people are struggling. We are a staff learning how to support our students and families emotionally while trying to support their academic needs. But we again can't do it alone. This is why our community partners are so important. And those videos up here just like spoke to my heart because I'm like, wow, the amazing things that this church is a part of, is, it just makes my heart full because I see the needs every day and the fact that people here are partnering with us to meet those needs, it's like God's work at its best. See, children can't learn when they're hungry. They can't thrive when they're stressed about food or when it's cold and it was too expensive the night before to turn on their heat. Children can't learn when they're feeling self-conscious because their clothes and their shoes don't fit anymore because they've outgrown them or they've lost their jacket and it's really cold when they get on the bus or they're waiting at the bus stop. Food and other resources have been, have been provided to us by our community partners and it really goes a long way for our kids. We have a resource in a food closet in our school that helps teachers get snacks to feed students throughout the day and clothes when that weather's changing and none of their clothes seem to fit. Our NRVCS counseling partners fill bags of food from the food closet and take to some of our families in need. At Thanksgiving, we, supply, we work with community partners to supply food. At Christmas, we have sponsors who provide gifts for our students to relieve the burden from families. We bought heaters with donated gift cards to our families who cannot afford to heat their entire trailer. So they move everybody into the center of the trailer with mattresses and have heaters just to keep warm for the winter. St. Michael's Lutheran Church provides snack bags each Friday, as you all have supported through Micah's Backpack, clothes in the fall and the spring for students in need, and daily snacks for our classrooms so, they don't, so teachers don't have to carry that burden. And the great thing that you got to see today is that we have tutors right here in this church who tutor our students in, our, in the Learning and Love trailer located in our Adams Mark community. They are a huge asset to our students. 
working with the majority of our English language learners population, a lot of their families can't help them because of that language barrier. And so our tutors are a fantastic resource for our students and those families. An example is earlier this year, we had two of our students tragically lose a parent. And we were able to connect with Gina and Reed and wrap support around that family. Martha Ann will email or call me when there are concerns with specific students. And our tutors are able to give us insight um, on things that we would have never had the knowledge of knowing and how to better support because they're there working in the, our students' environment. As a school, we have been able to partner um, with this wonderful congregation to hold a back-to-school cookout at the trailer to help get kids registered for school. And we would not have been able to do that without their generosity of the space and helping us fund that cookout. And during those times, it's not just about registering students for school. I get to connect and my staff gets to connect with families in a way that we can't when they come into the schoolhouse doors. We are in their environment and they feel comfortable to share and talk to us and it continues to allow us the opportunity to build those relationships. The Rotary Club um, built us a gaga pit and if you don't know what it is, it's pretty cool. Um, it's a game for large groups of children and this addition was very beneficial and intentional. It was helping our students connect and socialize and move because this game doesn't take a lot of skill. And we noticed that our students would go out to recess and they just didn't know what to do. And this asset has been a unifying experience for our students. So kids can come out and play and connect together. Kiwanis has supported our preschool program through books and snacks and other necessities, along with helping deliver those Micah's backpack snacks to our school each week. So we as staff at Prices Fork are so grateful for our community partners, especially our tutors who serve our students and families. And I could have never imagined that seven years ago, I would get to be here talking about how the members of this congregation who I worshiped and served alongside would be partnering with our families at a job that I get to do every day. And I say that I get to do because it is a privilege to get to do the work that we do. It's amazing to see how God has allowed those relationships to intersect with our daily work. And I would like to say to our Learning and Love partners, we are blessed by your generosity and willingness to keep showing up for our students. And we hope to continue that partnership in years to come. But what I know and servants in this room know is that serving has multiple layers. There are times when we need to jump in and help immediately. Someone needs food immediately, or it's a maybe helping families connect because their electricity has been shut off and we need to help them with community resources. Sometimes it's providing individuals information on how to access resources, such as the Christmas store or social service benefits or the food pantry. It's walking with them to help build their capacity to improve their lives by providing that support. It takes a lot of patience, a lot of time, and a lot of do-overs. I've sat with broken mothers asking me to take their children into my home because they just can't get their feet on the ground. I've listened to parents share their cries because their child is struggling and they don't know where to go or what resources to access. Sometimes people just need to be heard and just showing up and listening is sometimes all they need, but they need people to show up and to listen. It's about building relationships. There are no one and dones here. This is all about walking with people, but it takes time. And as you walk with people, you begin to build that trust with them. 
and then you know how to begin to help them. But I wanna challenge you today, not just with these stories, but I wanna challenge you with a few reminders from scripture and provide you with some questions to challenge yourself about what more could you be doing for the kingdom of God. Matthew 20, 28 states, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, this verse is coming off Jesus's challenges to his disciples because they're arguing about who was gonna be at the right and the left in Jesus's kingdom of heaven. And what Jesus was trying to get at with the brothers was that in his kingdom, it wasn't about status or being served. It was all about the privilege to serve, to be a servant of Christ. See, God's given us all gifts, unique talents, some of us knowledge, influence, hospitality, the gift of listening. We all have something to offer. And service is one of the biggest honors we can do for our fellow neighbors. But see, if we're real honest, most of us would rather be served than to serve. A pastor once said, we would rather feel special than ordinary, important than insignificant. And because sometimes we feel that way, we miss the opportunities to serve. We miss that opportunity to bring peace and love, emotional, spiritual healing, because we are consumed with our own agendas instead of looking for ways to help others. It's a constant fight that we have to have with ourselves, including me. Because the world keeps telling me, it's about me, it's about taking care of my needs, it's about my priorities. But see, we have a better story. We serve a God who proclaims that those who live in his kingdom, that their focus will be on making people's lives better. That the people who belong to his kingdom will be known by the love that they show to others. We serve a God who sent Jesus Christ to serve us. And because we've received this grace, we are now empowered to serve in the same way that Christ served us, making people's lives better, not burdensome, not difficult. We're called to walk alongside them just as Christ walked alongside us. I'm gonna read another passage that's probably very familiar to you. It's from Matthew 25, 35 through 40. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So what does it mean to love one another in this way? Jesus is calling us to care for our neighbor, the one across from us at work, the family who's struggling, the addict who can't break that addiction, the family who does not make good choices and is always on the verge of eviction the hungry child or the difficult child who is struggling because their dad is spending time away incarcerated. Who is that neighbor for you? Where can your calling, your gifts, and the community and world's needs meet? Where do you have influence or access that others don't? Who can you advocate for that doesn't have a voice? We are the body of Christ. We are the very presence of Christ in this world. And we have so much opportunity to be the kingdom of God here on earth. 
But as I recently heard Andy Stanley say in a sermon, and it, kind of, it got me, he said, most Christ followers just show up and consume. That's really hard, y'all. But it's also true. We should be the church out in the world, going beyond these sanctuary walls to love and serve the Lord by serving his people. The early church in Acts was a complete example of this by being the hands and feet of Christ. They did not exist for themselves, but for the benefit and betterment of all, the community and the people in their neighborhood. Abundant life was to be shared and extended. And I'm gonna say that again. Abundant life was to be shared and extended. So let us not be just consumers anymore who show up on Sunday, get the word, and come back again and do it the next Sunday. Let us open our eyes, praying and asking God, where can I serve? Where can I be the love to my community? I wanna challenge you, you're needed more than ever before. We need more Christ followers stepping up to get involved locally than globally. There's too much at stake for us to just be consumers anymore. We gotta be active participants in our faith. People who proclaim with our actions the good news of Christ. People who know that when we walk in a room, God is with them and although we may not be certain what to do, because I have shown up many times not certain what to do, that God is faithful and will walk through it with us because we are there. So I know what you're thinking. They, that, that's great, Molly. That sounds really good. I'm just really busy. Oh, I get it. I am really busy too. See, it's not that you have the time. You have to make the time. In my position, it's not eight to five job. Sometimes it's taking work home because that mom just needed me to listen and help her make some calls. Sometimes it's about putting that activity I really wanna do on the back burner because I need to support someone and be available. Being an active participant in our faith means there are times we are gonna sacrifice our energy, our time, our money, our resources. But if this means relieving the burdens of others, even if it's for a short moment or season, isn't that what it's all about? Bringing the grace and love that has been poured out from Christ in us and in turn sharing that with others is what we're called to do. So how do you get involved? This church, it is clear, is on a mission for God, and I love it. I love seeing all the opportunities to serve. There are people here who do show up weekly in a tutoring trailer to hang out with youth, to hang out with students, hand out food at the food pantry, provide meals of hope, volunteer it to our house, and it goes on and on as you saw today. So I'm gonna ask again, how will you get involved? I'm gonna close with the two verses that Mike shared earlier from Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So how will you get involved? Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the challenging word that pushes us all to look past ourselves and ask where and how you are calling us to serve your kingdom. Today and this week, I pray that you will reveal to us our own selfish desires, our fear, our anxiety, so we can hand those over to you and, be, and begin living into this abundant life you have called us to. Help us to be people who work to relieve the burdens that our fellow brother and sister in Christ carry. Open our eyes to the needs around us and stir our hearts to be the hands and feet of Christ in this community, this state, and into this world. Amen.
This has been a wonderful morning, opportunity for us to look at our own ministries and our missions and to realize that our God is calling us into the service of the world. If you have felt that call today, if you have felt called to faith or called to serve, see any of us at the close of the service, the staff or the deacons, and we will be happy to try to plug you into wherever you think you would be called to make your lives count, and we hope that you will do that. I also want to thank Melanie. You did a great job today. Thank you very much for coming. I'm a member of the Noon Rotary Club. Melanie spoke there several months ago to our, to our people, and this past Thursday, someone was there. Old guys like me sometimes say things in sexist ways. This time, they looked and said, I wonder when they're going to have that brilliant young woman back from, from Price's Fork Elementary. She knocked it out of the park, is how they put it. And I told them that she was going to be preaching here today, so they needed to come join us. None of them did, but they should have. <laughs> Thank you for being with us. Thanks all of you for being here. We're going to go downstairs now. We're going to enjoy lunch together, and I hope we're going to have great fellowship when we go. I'm going to bless the food here, and then we will go down and have our time together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for everything that has happened to make this come to life today. Thank you for the work that Diane Freeman did and that Mike did in working on this. Thank you for the hours that Steve Glosh has spent in trying to Prepare the videos for us as we have come here. Thank you for all that serve, for all that make their lives count through every mission that we have. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the church that we have and the, and the calling that we have to make all of our lives count. We pray, O oh God, as we gather here that you would be with us, not just as we gather in this room to consume what you would give us and the inspiration that you would have us enjoy within our hearts, but that we would understand that it only counts when we leave this room and go into the world to try to live as your people as best we know how in serving you. Help us, O oh Lord, to want to serve and to want to make a difference. Now, as we go to enjoy our time of fellowship, we pray that you will be with us, Lord. And I pray for those who have prepared our food. Let the food be blessed for our nourishment today and help us to take the blessings that we have and to share them with the world. Now, may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, now and forevermore. Amen. Let's all go downstairs and enjoy each other.